In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the kids up and teens up through the 12th grade, please come forward. that don't you yeah good morning you brought your friends with you today <laughs> have you ever been looking for something and just couldn't find them you looked everywhere and you looked everywhere like for your glasses I mean you don't some of you don't wear glasses watch right your watch you can't find your watch right now even huh yeah, since, last year. since last year well that was only a week ago <laughs> um but, you know, sometimes I'll go around looking for my glasses and my glasses. And they're right here. They're on my eyeballs. And I don't even pay attention sometimes. And I think I can't find them. And there they are. Sometimes I'll have them up here. Where are my glasses? There they are right there. What? That's on a commercial? It happens in real life, too, all the time. Yes, it does. It does. You know, today we heard about Jesus um, coming along and, and, and John the Baptist says, the lamb, look, there is the lamb of God. And Andrew and the other disciple, they follow the lamb of God. Who is the lamb of God? Anybody know? Jesus. Jesus. So they follow Jesus and Jesus, uh, and Jesus says, turns around and says, where are you going? Huh? And, and then what does, and then so they say something, what does Jesus say? come and see and then Andrew the next day goes and finds his brother Peter Simon Peter and he tells Simon Peter about Jesus the Messiah and says come and see come and see and he takes him to Jesus now do you think do you think that if you went to a friend and said come and see and you bring them to church do you think they would see what the disciples of Jesus saw? What would they see if they came to church here? A cross. A cross and an altar and prayer books and what else? Hymn books, hymnals and organ and keyboard and. Disciples of God. Huh? Disciples of God. They would see disciples of God? So when the disciples saw Jesus that came to Jesus, what did they see Jesus doing? Healing, maybe? Healing people who were sick? Visiting the lonely? Helping people? Uh, people who were not good people, he went to them and showed that they were loved by God and they became good people? Maybe. So if you went to a friend, say, at school and said, come and see, would that person see in you what they saw in Jesus? They should, right? They should. That's a good answer. And they could. Because we are called to be, to do what Jesus did. 
And Jesus said, even, even greater things than I do, you will do. And so sometimes that just means finding a friend at school, who, who, I mean, or maybe not even a friend, someone who's sitting off all by themselves, and they look sad, no one's going up to them. What do you do? You go up to them and say, hi, my name is Father Stan. <laughs> Don't say that because your name's not Father Stan, but... <laughs> But, but go over and, 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 and introduce yourself and become a friend with that person. Or someone that you know is sick, write them a letter or email or, or go over to their house or even at home, go in there and say, I'm so sad that you're sick. I'll be praying for you. And then pray to God for that person. That's, those are the kinds of things Jesus did. And it changed people's lives. So when you say, come and see, and I do want you to go to people and say, hey, come and see. You know, some of you bring friends to church. I see that a lot. Um, but then continue showing them what the love of God looks like by the way you live your life and the way you talk and the way you do things. Okay? All right? It's, that, it's simple. And yet it's kind of difficult because we have to change our old ways into new ways. We have to quit doing those things that we always do that don't have anything to do with God. And then we have to turn and just kind of do what God wants us to do. Okay? All right? We good over there? All right. Thanks for coming up. You can go get a packet over there. For, who is that, Mr. McCauley? Mr. McCauley over there. Thank you, God. Oh, yeah. Good job. Good morning. So there was a grandmother who had her five-year-old grandson with her walking through the country one day, just down the road. And this was just after the very first heavy frost that had kind of dyed all of the foliage to different colors. And the grandma marveled and said to her grandson, you know, just think, God painted all of that and the boy agreed and said yes and he even did it with his left hand and the grandma who was somewhat puzzled by that remark said what do you mean he did it with his left hand and the little boy replied well at Sunday school the teacher told us that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God And then there was the man who had always wanted to go ice fishing, but he knew very little about the sport. And so one day he just kind of upped and went. And just as he was about to drill a hole in the ice, suddenly a voice from above said, there are no fish there. The man taken by surprise moved further down the ice once again was about to drill a hole in the ice when a voice from above said, there are no fish there either. The man stopped drilling, looked around, and asked, is that you, God? The voice replied back, 
No, I am the manager and you're messing up this ice skating rink. <laughs> One of the great celebrative anthems that come to us out of the African-American culture is the spiritual ain't got time to die. It was written by Hall Johnson, and I want you to listen to the words. Been so busy praying, uh, been so busy praising my Jesus, been so busy working for the kingdom, been so busy serving my master, ain't got time to die. If I don't praise him, if I don't serve him, the rock's gonna cry out, glory and honor, glory and honor. Ain't got time to die. In this wonderful spiritual, the composer is underscoring and celebrating the joy and the excitement of being a Christian. The joy and the excitement of serving our Lord in gratitude for what our Lord has done for him, for us. The point the spiritual is trying to drive home is that when we become Christian, when we really commit our lives to Christ, then we cannot sit still. We become so excited, so thrilled, so grateful for our new life in Christ that we can't help but love him and praise him and serve him and share him with others. I think this is what happened to the Apostle Andrew in our gospel reading today. He encountered Jesus, he found the Messiah, and he was so excited that he couldn't sit still. Immediately, gratefully, excitedly, he ran to share the good news with his brother Simon. And it reads like this in the gospel. Andrew first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. And then Andrew brought Simon Peter, his brother, to Jesus. This was the greatness of Andrew. He was the man who was always introducing others to Jesus. Three different times in this gospel, Andrew comes to center stage. First, here in the first chapter of John, he brings his brother Simon Peter. And then in John chapter 6, we find Andrew bringing to Jesus the boy with the five loaves and the two fish. And then in chapter 12 of the gospel of John, we find Andrew bringing to Jesus the inquiring Greeks who wanted to meet Jesus and visit with Jesus. It seems that Andrew's greatest joy was sharing the good news of Christ and bringing others into the presence of Christ. Having found Jesus, he just could not sit still. He could not help it. He had to share Christ with others. Now, there's a minister friend of mine who tells about a woman in his church who was just so excited to become a Christian. She had somewhat of a shady past, had pretty much hit rock bottom. And a friend reached out to her one day and brought her to church. And the church members welcomed her warmly and loved her in, their, in the circle of their love, in the circle of God's love. She started going to church faithfully. She joined a wonderful Sunday school class. 
She began studying the Bible daily. She started praying regularly. And in the process of all that, she was converted to Jesus. And she realized for the very first time in her life that God loved her, even her. She came to understand that even though she had done all those thwarted things in her past life, that God still loved her and forgave her and accepted her and valued her and treasured her. She was absolutely bowled over by the amazing grace and she committed herself to Christ's heart and soul. And recently she said to her minister, she said, I'm so excited about being a Christian. I've got the strong case of the, of, of the can't help it. I've got a strong case of the can't help it. And I think that's true for Andrew as well. He too had a strong case of the can't help it. He was so grateful and so thrilled, so excited about Jesus that he just could not sit still. He could not keep Jesus to himself. And you know, as I thought about this, and as I thought about my own personal life and my own spiritual pilgrimage, I can tell you that I also have a strong case of can't help it. It just goes along with being a Christian, I think show you what I mean with two thoughts and try these on for size you probably have other things that you would say from your own experience but these are two of my thoughts first of all because we are Christians we cannot help but be grateful Andrew along uh, along with the people of his time had been longing for the Messiah to come hoping for a Messiah praying for a Messiah and when he found the Messiah in Jesus, he was incredibly grateful. And by the way, you know there is no such thing as an ungrateful Christian. Christianity, by definition, is our grateful response to God for his love in the world, for his gift to the world in Jesus Christ, his son. Responsive gratitude. That's what Christianity is all about. You know, a missionary in Africa for the first time was preaching his very first sermon in one of the African mission churches. And when time came for the offering, the people, they danced their offerings forward. They danced and they sang praise to God as they brought their offerings to the altar, much like we did a few years ago with our One in Christ event, when we were celebrating all the, all the different ethnicities in our parish, every, we had everybody come forward and drop their offering. And we said, you can dance along the way, and some did and some didn't. A beautiful moment, really. Uh, maybe we should get the ushers to do that these days, to, to dance and to sing praise to God as they bring the offering plates forward. Might not be a pretty picture. Anyway, after the service there in Africa, the missionary asked one of the people, why do you dance and why do you sing when you bring your offerings forward on Sunday morning? The answer came back, how could we not dance? We are so grateful to God for what he has done for us in sending Jesus Christ to us that we have to dance and sing in thanksgiving. And besides, it says in the Bible, God loves a cheerful giver. 
So let me ask you something. Do you feel that kind of gratitude to God? Do you have a strong case of the can't help it when it comes to gratitude? When you are a Christian, gratitude is the spirit of your lifestyle. When you are a Christian, you can't help but be grateful. And then, because we are Christians, we can't help but be confident. This is why Andrew kept bringing people to Jesus, because of his confidence in the Lord. Things were not always perfect. Times and situations were sometimes hard, sometimes quite hard for those first Christians. But Andrew never lost his confidence in Christ. He just did his best, and then he trusted God to bring it all out right. You know, someone once asked the great Christian Phillips Brooks why he always seemed so serene and poised and optimistic and confident, and I like his answer. He simply said, I am a Christian. Another story. Father and daughter were in their last moments together at the airport. The airline had announced her departure and standing there near the security gate, they hugged and he said, I love you and I wish you enough. And she replied, Dad, our life together has been more than enough. Your love is all I ever needed. I love you so much and I wish you enough too, Dad. And they hugged and held each other tightly. And then she turned and left. And the father, he walked over toward the window to watch his daughter's plane take off. And tears were just kind of rolling down his cheeks. And another man had been watching them. And the father turned to that man and said, have you ever had to say goodbye to someone knowing that you would not see each other again in this lifetime? And the other man said, yes, indeed, I have. Please forgive me for asking, but why is this a final goodbye? And the father answered, I am old now and I am not in good health. And the real truth is that her next trip back will be to my funeral. And the stranger said, I'm sorry. And the father said, it's okay. I've had a wonderful life and it will soon be over for me. But it's been a great ride. God has blessed me and he has always been with me and he will be with me in the life to come. I have no regrets. I trust God for whatever is ahead. And the other man said, may I ask you about something else? When you were saying goodbye, I heard you say, I wish you enough. What does that mean? And the father smiled and he said, that's a wish that has been handed down for many generations in my family. My parents used to say it often. When we say, I wish you enough, we are wanting the other person to have enough good things to sustain them. And the wish goes like this, he said, I wish you enough sun to keep your attitude bright. I wish you enough rain to appreciate the sun more. I wish you enough happiness to keep your spirit alive. I wish you enough adversity so the smallest 
joys in life appear much bigger. I wish you enough gain to satisfy your wanting. I wish you enough loss to be grateful for all you possess. I wish you enough hellos to get you through the final goodbyes. And the father looked at the other man and he said, I wish you enough. And then he turned and he walked away. Folks, because we are Christians, we can be confident. Because in Christ, God gives us enough. Enough strength to keep us going. Enough forgiveness to make us a new creation. Enough courage to enable us to stand tall when times are tough. Enough assurance to convince us that ultimately God wins and he wants to share his victory with us. And this is the good news of the gospel. Nothing can separate us from God's love and care. Absolutely nothing. Not trouble, not pain, not heartache, not disappointment, not even death can cut us off from God and his love. God is always with us. He promises that. I will be with you always to the end of the earth. And so let us with Hall Johnson celebrate the joy and the excitement of being a Christian, the joy and the excitement of serving our Lord in gratitude for what he has done and in confidence for what he will do for us. Let us really commit our lives to Christ so that we can't sit still, so that we become so excited, so thrilled, so grateful for our life in Christ that we can't help but love him and praise him and serve him and share him with others. And let this anthem be ours. Been so busy praising my Jesus, been so busy working for the kingdom, been so busy serving my master, ain't got time to die. If I don't praise him, if I don't serve him, the rock's going to cry out, glory and honor, glory and honor. Ain't got time to die. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.